Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. This week we're talking about season one. Yeah. We've reached the end. I know. We're going to do some recaps, some thoughts. We're going to look ahead to season two, see what Beth wants to see, what she doesn't want to see, where her head's at. So let's get started. I think first up we need to talk about, you know, what you thought of season one. What's your recap? What's your rating overall? How are you feeling about it? Oh, okay. So, I... Okay, blanket statement. I enjoyed season one. Yep. Um, We have, for context, we have just, just, like, 20 minutes ago finished recording the last episode of season one. And I said at the end of that episode, basically, I thought the season overall was pretty strong. There was stuff that I didn't like. But, honestly, my biggest pet peeve with the whole season was that fucking flashback. So, if that's my biggest complaint... Like, honestly, I think that's, it says, like, a f- you know, good things about the rest of the season overall. There were certainly um, things that I didn't love, which I'm I'm not going to go back into, because if you've gotten to this point of the podcast, you've already heard me talk about them. You already know what I don't like. And I guess I just wanted to, like, spend a little bit of time talking about the stuff that I did. So I really, really love, if you listen to our pilot episode, you know I didn't like the pilot that much. I just, I didn't love it. I didn't care about the characters. I like that by the end of the first season, I do. Mm. I like that by the end of the first season, they have what feel like really genuine interactions. I appreciate that you can see that they care about each other. You can see that... You can see all of them having had their perspective on what it means to be a team has changed from the pilot through to the finale of season one. And I think that's really interesting. I think that's really fun. And I think that means... A lot of interesting things and a lot of different things for each of the main characters. So, like, I think as a, as a, a d- regardless of what I thought of individual episodes, I think as, like, a narrative, like, cohesive piece, I think the first season is actually quite strong, even though I will still say I did miss there being a more, not obvious, but a more interlinked overarching plot line. Like, that's the one thing that I feel like I quite like there being a bigger picture to a lot of stuff. And I think that this show lends itself really well to that idea of like the big spider web. And like, I get that they kind of did that with the, you know, the season finale being about IYS, but I just kind of wish that there'd been a bit more of a, just like a bit more of a a build up to that outside of the fucking flashback. Um, That's probably my one other, like, yeah, the things that I didn't like aside, that is probably the one thing that I would have liked to see that I didn't get yeah. was just, like, a more cohesive, overarching plot that would bring the individual episodes together so that they were less standalone. Because yeah. a lot of them are really – you can just watch them out of context, oh, yeah. which mm-hmm. is good for, you know, a number of reasons. But personally, my preference is a more cohesive narrative. You sort of reach a point where they just all start to feel like filler episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I get it. They, This is their mark. The mark is a shithead. Um, they're going to outsmart them. Happy ending. And, like, that's a great recipe. But I'm like, where's... And you get variety within each episode, obviously, because each job is different. Mm. But I'm also like, okay, but where is the where are the stakes yeah. that are building outside of this 
individual plot like where what's happening outside and i think that's partially why i love sterling so much Mm. because he is more of an overarching kind of threat sterling is really the thing that actually links like half of this season together like yeah if any of it real other than like nate's trauma which is just always there yeah like nate's trauma and alcoholism and sterling are like the two things that actually link this back so like the iys finale makes sense yes yeah and I love Sterling as a character. I've talked probably ad nauseum about how much I love Mark Shepard, so I'm going to try and keep this brief. But I do think that having him there does provide a little bit more of a looming sort of threat over the series, and I do wish it was a bit more prominent. Um, just because it's almost that thing where, like, these guys are... Each of the characters are almost, like, overpowered, in a sense. Yeah. Like, they're too good. It was like um, in the episode where Elliot was taken out by that like hitman or like, oh, like and I was kind of like I don't believe it because the whole rest of the season they've built Elliot up to be this like immovable object basically, and I was like I don't believe that he's suddenly able to be overpowered by this fucking other dude. I don't care how well trained he is. They told me this whole season that Elliot is the best of the best, and basically he can come out of anything on top. So I think having Sterling, who we know is a match for Nate, and he has been shown to be that the whole time. He feels like a genuine threat, whereas the marks in each episode don't feel like a threat because... They feel a little bit like a joke. Yeah. Like the stakes come from not necessarily them being a match for the team, but from like, you know, some sort of coincidence. Yeah, basically. twist or something they just simply couldn't have planned for. It feels like... They are never going to be outsmarted by their mark. Mm. The only thing that could set them, like, up to fail is if one of them fucks up. Yeah. And even then, like, we've had episodes where, like, the wedding job is a really good example of this, where Nate is just constantly (laughs) fucking it up. Like, that whole bit where he was, like, the uh, priest and he's supposed to be marrying them. And I was like, man, if I was at this wedding, I would have physically removed him by this point. He was, you know... And so I think, and even then, that doesn't actually fuck it up because in the episode, yeah. the people just fucking go with it. And so... Like, he managed to, to recover and makes the old, like, ah oh, the wife is the ball and chain joke. Like, yeah, and it's like, first of all, fuck off. But second of all, like, you know, it, yeah, that's probably the one thing yeah. where I'm like, I wish there was a more of an overarching plot and I wish that there was more sterling involvement or at least another character who was also matched like what if we had a thief who's like always been parker's rival or something yeah like that would be really fun or um you know someone who sophie was trying to con but was also conning like them at the same time like something that shows that while they're really good they are not infallible yeah i think would have been really nice. And I kind of hope that going into, like, more seasons, maybe that's something that gets explored, you know? Or, like, um, Hardison being out-hacked. Yeah. Like, just something like that where they're like, oh, damn, like, this person knows what they're doing and it's not like, oh, we fucked up and yeah. that's why it's going badly. Or, like, something like that, you know? Okay, I think that pretty well covers your thoughts on the season. Hmm. Let's move on to some character opinions. Let's start in your favourite place. Let's start with Nate. Fuck that guy so hard. <laughs> so your uh, your opinion on Nate is family against? Yeah, I'm sorry. If there's if there's anyone still listening who likes Nate. <laughs> if 
here at Nightstand, sorry for this past you, season. If you've gotten to this point listening to me complain about this sad man for the last, <laughs> what, like uh, 14 episodes or something, I, look, yeah, my roommate said something very funny to me today. She happened to be sitting on the couch while I was watching the last episode of the season and she came in about halfway through and she said to me, she goes, is his entire personality like... Oh, my dead son. No one else has ever felt this pain before. She's like, that's just the vibe that he gives off. And, I, like, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, she's not wrong. I just... He... Again, if you've listened to the episode... The, again, if you've listened to the podcast at this point, you know my fucking thoughts on Nate. It, <laughs> I don't like him. I don't like his fucking hats. I don't like his stupid accents. And I hate that he just treats everyone around him like they're inferior somehow or like they must be so blessed to have him saving the fucking day for him or whatever and like the whole time they are picking up after him and yeah he's really not stable in this first season is he oh he drives me fucking mental i don't know why they have the least stable person in charge of the whole operation like i mean to be fair in the last episode they do explain it like a little bit of like she just seems to work for him. Like, he seems to, like... Somehow his plans <laughs> fucking work. What's that line from The Good Place where it's like, I'm a middle-aged white man, I can only fail yeah. up? Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's basically exactly what happens, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I think moving on from Nate, let's, yeah, let's go to Sophie. What, what are you thinking about Sophie at this end of this last season? Okay. I have loved Sophie from the get-go. Yeah. Um, I think she is... All of them are incredibly talented. Mm -hmm. But I do think that Sophie almost... I think she, in some ways, has the hardest job of all of them. Because she is interfacing with people directly. I think it's probably... She can't hide behind... A computer screen or behind... um, Like the cover of uh, Night or whatever. Like, she has to deal with these people face-to-face. Face-to-face. Like, she is directly in front... Like... All of these people that she's conned know what she looks like. And, like, if Parker is stealing something, if Elliot is uh, beating someone up, if Hardison is hacking something, people aren't necessarily going to know what they look like or, like, have ways to contact them. Like, Sophie's, like, giving out phone numbers and shit, you know. And I think that I have a lot of respect for the fact that I think in some ways the job that she does is the most dangerous job mm-hmm. to do because she's putting herself directly there. Like She's the easiest to catch if shit goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a testament to how good she is at what she does. Um, I think they said in, like, the second last episode she's basically wanted in, like, all of Europe, you know, yeah. and which I find hilarious. But, yeah, I think I have – a lot of respect for her craft. I still don't know how I feel about the way she handled the two Davids situation. I am sort of of the same opinion as Elliot in that circumstance, which is that you don't con your crew. I think that that was the first, other than her weird affection for Nate, which I still don't understand. I think that that was the first time I was like, I am cross with Sophie. Yeah. Like, I think... It's the first real moment where she has where it's like, oh, she fucked up. It's also the first time any of them have betrayed each other directly. 
Yeah. Because I think the only other thing you could possibly count is, like, obviously, like, Nate is not always up front with them about yeah. everything, but that is a strategic move, yeah. I guess, and it's not – it's for the betterment it's of the not, entire crew. It's I've not just done him. this so that we'll pull off something bigger so I can get what I want. It's – I have – not even bothered explaining to you this plan because the chances are we're not going to use it anyway. There's no point you having yeah, to deal with kind of thing. This shit. I'm not going to overload you with information that you don't need. Yeah, and so, yeah, I and mean you can almost argue there's like a little bit about like Hardison where he kind of betrays the team by not doing that was, his job. That was the only one. That that's I was more bring so up. he is ADHD coded to the max and just kind of forgot. I. <laughs> like, was just going to say the only one that you can really link is when Hardison basically slept in and forgot they were running something. Yeah. Which is, you know, different. Fuck, he fucked up, but he didn't do that intentionally. He was not That was him making a mistake intentionally him, putting them yeah. at increased risk for his own gain. That was him just fucking up. Um, I mean, you could almost... Uh, you could almost point to the like little tiny bit we get. Like, it's a little snippet in the Jury Number 6 job. Where they're like, Parker, you have to consider the rest of the team. And it's like, yeah. but that's that's not her betraying the team. That's her thinking, how would I get out of this situation? And just assuming. She does this a lot. She's like, oh, yeah, I have this one really specific and niche skill. But So everyone must be able to do it. Like, yeah. she doesn't consider the fact that she is like, she has very highly specialized skills. Yeah. Where, like... She loves fucking crawling in air vents. Yeah. She loves trying to get up fucking elevator shafts. She's, she's like, not thinking about other people having things like claustrophobia. Or like a fear of heights. Or like, just like a physical incapability of being able to do those There things. is a quote later on where um they're like, they're talking about this like injury that this, this athlete sustained and they're like, oh, it was like a 20 foot drop. And she's like, yeah, just fucking walk it off. And they're like, Parker, you do realise... <laughs> Most people don't just walk off a 20-foot drop. She's like... Yeah. Oh, so you mean all of those times where I pushed Hardison off buildings? Yeah, exactly. Like, the screaming and terror was real. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny that, you know, obviously her perspective... It's like that thing, um, you know, with, like, young kids, I think, like, around, like, two or three, if you ask them to describe what they can see... They'll yeah. tell you and then you turn the table and you you say, now tell me what I can see. And they won't. They'll just tell you what's in front of them instead of what they've yeah. already seen that now you're looking at. Yeah. It's like that. It's like she can't quite see things from other people's perspectives. She mm. never quite developed that ability, mm. you know. And so she only sees it from her perspective, which is, well, I can do it. So I assume everyone can. Yeah. You know, and without thinking about, you know. There are many, many, many fantastic scenes of exactly that where she's just like, Oh, there's one, and she does. She does something, and that, and they're. She's like, oh yeah, and she's like, can't everyone do that? Mm. And they're like, uh, no. Like yeah. Hardison was there too. Hardison can't do that. Like, yeah, it's insane, and I love Parker. Anyway, we we're supposed to be talking about. Sophie. We we're supposed to be talking about Sophie. <laughs> but no, so yeah, Sophie betraying the team is certainly like it's a bit of a pivotal moment in this. Season. I think it really. I quite enjoyed it. Like I didn't love it because I was like, damn it, Sophie, what are you doing? But narratively it was one of the first things where i was like oh interesting mm. like from a, a character development standpoint mm. because personally like there is character development in the show obviously by nature you can't not have it but i haven't been that invested in any of it yeah to this point that was the first sort of choice that one of them made where i was like oh that's interesting yeah i want to see where this is gonna go in terms of 
their character development, but also the rest of the team's character development, mm. and then how they develop as a unit as well, like individually, yeah. but also cohesively. Because part of the whole point of them being a team is they have to um, trust each other. If they don't trust each other, none of this works. Yeah, exactly. The whole point is like, and, you know, in the pilot, their whole thing is like, no, no, I work alone, I don't work together, and this is why. Yeah. And they, like Elliot points out, you know, he had finally gotten comfortable with the idea of being in a team, of trusting other people are going to have their backs. Yeah. And, yeah, he just gotten used to this idea of being able to trust other people and have faith that they're not going to leave him if it gets sticky and, like, have faith that he can... He doesn't have to be necessarily responsible for the exit strategy because there's somebody else who can... Yeah, I think it's just also a matter of safety and security. Mm. Like, because I think the amount of stress that you would be under in these kinds of, like, job roles, obviously, would be immense. To be able to know that you have people around you that you can relax around and let your guard down like these people they're talking about being wanted in like collectively like what 20 odd countries yeah like oh no, more than that Sophie, sophie's wanted in half of europe like yeah she's so, like there's even when they do the stalk job in the season it's literally like oh she can't go to the embassy yeah because one time she kind of ripped them off completely like yeah exactly. and stole a whole bunch of money from them like there is yeah, she Sophie alone is wanted at least twenty countries. Yeah, despite all the ones that Parker is wanted in. Exactly. So, being able to have a group of people that you can actually let your guard down around and feel safe and know that none of them are conning you. Yeah. To try and get you arrested or try to get you killed or try to steal something from you, and then Sophie ruins that a little bit. Yeah. Not entirely, but just enough. Yeah. And, like, the thing is, at the end of the day, it's not like she, she – it's, like, not the betrayal of all, but it's not like she was working with Sterling to step them up or anything. Yeah. But it is still, like, she she was running a con on them. Yeah. She and was trying okay. to get them to do something bigger mm-hmm. for her own benefit with no real consideration for the team at large. Yeah, and like I said in the episode as well, like, especially, I think, Parker, if she had said to Parker, hey, Parker, this is this thing I want to do – she would have been on that, like, immediately. Because yeah. we know from all the other episodes that Parker's, like, favourite thing is, like, an impossible challenge. Yes. Because she wants to solve it. And No she... one has ever stolen this thing like this before. What helped me do it? She's like, fuck, yes, yeah, I am in. exactly. And, like, the others would be as well. I just think that Parker in particular would love that, you know. And if she had Parker on board, it would only, you know, take 30 seconds to convince Hardison. Yeah. And then once you've got Hardison, and Nate already wants to screw over IYS, yeah. so then it's just Elliot, and Elliot would be there to have a good time. So, like, you know, if, if she had just been upfront and honest with them, mm. which is, a, to be fair, is a thing in media that comes up a lot, which is just like, yeah. God, for fuck's sake, if you just had one conversation where neither of you were fucking lying, it would solve so many plot points. But it's this interesting thing of Sophie's entire job is to lie. Mm. Like, we get later on there's a scene and she's basically like, well, I, I can't not lie. Like, if I, if I stop lying, I stop being who I am. Like, the lies are such, such interesting. an integral part to her as a character. Yeah. That it's like, well, no, she, she – like, I, that's the thing. A lot of the times I'm like – you know, you watch Major and you're like, well, if you just fucking spoke about it, like, it doesn't make any sense for this character to not speak about this thing yeah. to this other character. And, like, 
I think that's a very valid criticism when it's out of character for them to be lying to another character for no reason. Or just, I I am happy to but, criticise when characters are acting OOC. Yeah. Just in general. Just yeah. because it's frustrating. Yes. Mm. But it's like, her lying to them isn't just a thing to make this plot move. It is what she sort of thinks she has to do. Yeah. Because that's how any, like, sh- to tell them what she wants to do is a vulnerable position to be in and she can't do that. It's also very interesting because she's taken on quite a maternal role this mm. season. So for her to feel like she can't ask them for a favour yeah. is an interesting sort of extension of that maternal role because you don't – I mean, obviously, like, you can ask your kids for help, but generally speaking – You don't burden your children? Yeah. <laughs> Stop looking at me because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking about John Winchester and I know you're right. <laughs> but – you know, yeah, so you you don't, generally speaking, you don't have the parental figure asking their kid for help so much as you have the children coming to the parental figure for help. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it's interesting that Sophie didn't go to her sort of metaphorical children yeah. to ask for help. And it is also interesting that the only person who could really see her, that she was conning them was Nate, who in this case is the narrative father yeah. figure. So it's kind of an interesting sort of family dynamic of – she sort of betrayed the trust of her children. Yeah. And, like, Nate was aware of it. He could see it. Yeah. But they couldn't. And he tried to call her out on it and it, like... Yeah, it's a, it's almost like if you think of it as, like, a really dysfunctional, like, yeah. um, sort of heteronormative household structure. Yeah. It's and very interesting. Look, again, I, I told you there was found family in this show. The first season... <laughs> it's very quick. The first season is very much, like, dysfunctional. Yeah. Found family. And actually one thing that I appreciate is uh, within the first couple of episodes, I could see that they were sort of doing the found family thing. But for me personally, it felt really rushed. Yeah. I felt like it wasn't earned. And that kind of annoyed me a bit. Yeah. Like it was one thing that I was like, I, I can see what you're doing. But like the fact that I can see what you're doing annoys me. It feels like it wasn't nuanced enough. But by the end of the season, I'm like, okay, now it feels genuine. Yeah. Now that we've had a season that they've, you know, you've actually had them working together and forming these bonds and things. Now it feels genuine. Yeah. The first couple of episodes, I felt like it felt really forced and it frustrated me a little bit because I love the found family trope. I adore it. It's one of my favorites. But it, when it feels like they're trying to make it happen, it's like when it's like a forced romance. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. You know? Okay. That was a lot for Sophie. Any other thoughts you'd like to add about um, Sophie? <clears throat> Or another tangent you'd like to go on that's not no, even really I think we should. I think we should move on. Okay, I think the next one, logically, that should, is probably Elliot. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Elliot? I love Elliot. He's very fun. He, I think my favourite thing is when he is playing a role. Yeah, yeah. I do find it really entertaining. He's very, I find him very uh, funny and very endearing. Yeah. I feel like a lot of... I don't know. Like, because he is supposed to be this, like, very tough masculine. Like, because yeah. his whole thing is that he's, like, the muscles, right? Yeah. But I love that they have given him the complexity to also be one of the most sort of sensitive characters. Yeah. And, like, he's so against – he's not against physical violence, obviously, but he's against the concept of, like, automatic weapons. Yes. I, I appreciate that. He's someone who very much is, like – he doesn't kill uh, – like, I don't know if you've noticed this in the first season, but he does not kill a single person. Yeah, he's like, incapacitated. Yeah, he yeah. incapacitates a whole bunch of people, but he never he, ne- he never actually kills anyone. And I yeah. think that's a really interesting distinction to draw. Yeah. Because, like, that is – yeah, like, it is an integral part 
to Elliot as mm-hmm. a character. Mm-hmm. And we'll learn more about this later on. And so I'm not going to say anything because I think if I say too much, it will spoil a whole bunch of stuff that's really like yeah. fun character development stuff that I think you're going to enjoy. I will but. say I think Elliot is the character I am most intrigued by. Yeah. The other, like, obviously, for we haven't really had a backstory, backstory for any yeah. of them, rather, other than maybe Nate, I guess. Yeah. Um, and Nate's backstory is dead. Stuff. Fucking annoying. <laughs> um, I'm wondering. I I would find it quite interesting. I don't think that this is what they're going to do, but I would find it interesting knowing that there is like the five core cast members. Yeah. And five initial seasons. It would be fascinating to do sort of each season have, like, an overarching interest in the background of each character. So, like, we've had Nate. Yeah. I think it would be interesting, given the twist sort of towards the end of this season with Sophie betraying them, if season two had more, like, specifically you learn about Sophie over the course of the season. And then, I don't know, if we Mm. did, like, Elliot or Parker or Hardison next. Because they've alluded to a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, they've alluded to, for example, Parker's fucking parents. We still haven't heard anything more about that. And, like, that's interesting in and of itself. So I think it would be fascinating if if that's what they did. If they sort of had each character had their own sort of arc mm. per season where you're really focusing in on one mm. person's development and sort of not revenge necessarily, but, like, I guess development is the right word that I'm looking for. I don't think that they would do that because it's yeah. it's unlikely in terms of narrative structure, but I do kind of like it as an idea. Especially after this first season was so much about Nate. Mm. I can I can see that. So like yeah, do like this is Sophie's season or this is Blank's season. And yeah, like, and not like overtly, not like no. in the way Bridgerton does it, but yeah. like no, in like they're the main characters now. All you guys can follow, <laughs> but like yeah. as in like the significant character arc we are following this season. Yeah, belongs to this character. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Um, I think that would be a really interesting way of doing it. Like I said, I doubt that's probably what they've done just because of yeah, just generally the way narratives tend to go and just the structure of leverage as a show because as so far it's been very much like self-contained plots. Um, so, I, yeah, like I, I don't think that that would happen, but I think it would be fascinating if it did. Any other thoughts on Elliot before we oh, move God, on? I keep t- you asked me a question. I yeah. just said I'm talking about something completely irrelevant. Um no, I don't think so. I love his, like, this goes for uh, Hardison too, but I do love their, like, himbo energy. Yeah. <laughs> they drink their respecting women juice, and I appreciate that. He's got, like, funky bi energy. Yeah. <laughs> Both of them do, actually. <laughs> love Elliot. Love me, Mr. Punchy. Mr. Punchy. <laughs> Legitimate alias he goes by later on in the show. I one guess that. as to where, who come up with that one. <laughs> Okay, I think we should move on to Parker. Yeah. What um, do you think about her? Bam. Look, we all know that Parker's my favourite and I'm Parker coded. So, yes. Be nice. <laughs> Parker is interesting. I didn't love her in the pilot um, just because I felt like she didn't slot in anywhere quite right. It. It just sort of felt like it was everything felt a little... To be fair, everything about the pilot to me felt a bit off. Yeah. And the one thing that really stuck out to me that I remember about Parker is that one, like, awkward laugh. Yeah. That I was just like, I I didn't understand it. So that's kind of all I remember from then. 
But as I've watched the season, I have really warmed to her. I think she's very... She's an incredibly unique character. Yeah. I don't think, like... I can say that I have seen characters like Elliot elsewhere or like Hardison yeah. elsewhere or like Nate or Sophie. I don't think I have ever really seen a character like Parker anywhere except for a select, like, if I was going to equate her to a character that I knew well, I would equate her to Cass from Supernatural or maybe Jack from Supernatural even. But she's just so... I don't even know how to, like, put my finger on it. She is so... Interesting in the sense that she is completely naive to some things, but so, like, experienced in others. Like, it's the autistic coding. Yeah. Yeah. Like, legitimately, that is is it. And I've seen a lot of pieces from people who are autistic, and they're like, no, we love Parker. You know how sometimes they sort of, like, half-ass this sort of, like, coding, and then people are like, oh, no. She is a character that a lot of people who are artistic really love because they 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 see her as a very authentic representation of autism and the fact that she is like her hyperfixation is theft. Yeah. Full stop. Like that is that is what she she loves to steal shit. Like that yeah. is what she's good at. That's what she hyper focuses on. Mm-hmm. Just like you hyper focus on supernatural. Yeah. She hyper focuses on stealing stuff. Yeah. But it does mean that because she is autistic coded she doesn't have the social skills. She doesn't have... Yeah. And because her hyperfixation doesn't really require her to have those things, yeah. like, she didn't bother learning them because they didn't seem important to her. Like, they're yeah, not... exactly. And I think that's probably why when I think of trying to equate Parker to something, I think of Cass and I think of Jack yeah. because there's a lot of discussion to be had about um, autistic coding for both of those characters as well, particularly uh, Jack, actually. But in any case... One of the things that I have really loved seeing through the season is that even though, like, like you say, social skills is a great, a great point. She tends not to have the best, like, she tends not to be able to read the room very yeah. well. What I really have enjoyed is seeing the other characters fully just accept that that's just who she is and, like, fully be, like, willing to support her when she is uncomfortable in social situations and fully, like, like, um, during the, uh, during number 12 and Sophie is like, okay, we're going to think about these social situations. We're going to treat it like it's a job. And I'm going to, yeah. like, explain to you, like, you know, the way that you're going to play these people. And, you know, even Elliot and the scene with, like, the apple and the orange and, like, being willing to, like, and he's, he's annoyed that he's there, but, like, being yeah. willing to... To put in that time. I think that's one of the things that really mean like makes a lot of autistic people like Parker as representation because yes, they try to develop her social skills, mm. but it's never framed as, oh, we've got to fix Parker so she's no, 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 no. It's framed as we are teaching her this new skill so she can do her job more effectively. Yeah. It is never like we are teaching her these skills so she can act like a normal person. Yeah, exactly. It's never a case of like, she is somehow wrong. Yeah. It's it's always, like, it's just not her skill. She doesn't and have the skill set, so we're going to teach her. Yeah. So that she can do this element of the job and not, oh, we're going to teach her the skill so that she changes who she is as a person. Like, yeah, exactly. And this idea that, like, they care, like, and by the end of the season, like I was saying, like, it's very obvious they all care about yeah. each other quite deeply. Like, I find that a lot of the time in, like, media you see, like, people who are sort of framed or, or 
specifically written as like not like like neurodivergent, like yeah. not neurotypical, mm. is like a lack of like emotion, like a lack yeah. of empathy or a lack of care, I guess. And to like in some situations and to an extent that can be true. Yeah. You know. But it's nice to see that they have a character who like they will show like has emotion. It's not she's that, not portrayed as a robot. Yeah. It's not that she lacks emotion. It's she lacks the emotional awareness to be able to communicate her exactly. emotions. It's like, like she very clearly has them. She just doesn't know how to deal with them. Yeah, it's like um, an inability to appropriately express mm. the emotions. And yeah, and so I, I do think that it's a more nuanced take, which is really which is really nice, and it does make her uh, a more a more interesting character for it because it adds. Um, certain like elements to her that you don't get with the other characters like you get to have scenes like where that guy's hitting on her oh in the stalk job when he's hitting on her and he's like only the strong survive and she's fucking stabs him yeah yeah the stalk job yeah you know and like you gotta be one of the most scenes of all time (laughs) you know and like you have you have scenes like that where you're like no one else on the team would do that no. But she she just, you know, she'll just do it. And you have things where, like, she's able to see a situation and just come immediately to the correct conclusion. She's like, oh, yeah. I've come to a conclusion now. And then she yeah. just performs the yeah. action that will, you know, and it takes everyone else by surprise because no yeah. one else has seen it in the same way as she has. And it's such an advantage yeah. to her and to what she does. She is a very interesting um, mirror for Nate. Because arguably they have, of like the team, they have the most similar skill sets. Because before she was working with the team, she was basically doing all this shit by herself. Yeah, exactly. Obviously so not running. the cons, yeah. but like the heist. Like she is, she probably could have stolen the Davids by herself if she really wanted to. Yeah. Like of the entire team, the only one that I would wager would be able to steal the two Davids mm-hmm. of the team by themselves is Parker. Yeah, yeah. Because Sophie... Could steal them, but can't because they know her face. Yeah. There is no amount of, like, work she can do, no character method acting that she can do. To change. To change the fact that she is who she is. And, like, they would recognise her. So she can't... she was going to do some insane prosthetics Mm -hmm. or something, yeah. She can't run a con Mm -hmm. on them, which is how she would have stolen them. Like, Hardison, ultimately... Probably theoretically could, but he doesn't really have the practical skills necessary. Yeah, I was going to say, he could uh, disarm the security and whatever, but, like, the actual going into the building. And getting in and out without being detected in that, Mm -hmm. like, while also simultaneously running his software to be able to. Yeah. And, like, Elliot probably could, but he probably would get caught. I also think Elliot would have no desire to. His... His um his style is more like smash and grab sort of thing, you know, like yeah. go in, beat up a whole bunch of security, steal it, and leave. Like it it's just not also doesn't strike me as the kind of thing Elliot yeah. would want to steal. Like because correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I should have talked about this with when we're talking yeah. about Elliot, but he is the only one who I'm like he's not in this for stealing stuff. No, not really. Like because Sophie is a thief. Yep. Parker is a thief. Yep. Hardison is a thief in a different way. Yeah. He, he's Sophie and Parker uh-huh. gonna steal antiquities. Yeah. They're gonna steal art. They're gonna steal statues. Yeah. Hardison's gonna hack the bank and transfer exactly. all the money to an account. Exactly. 
Nate's not going to steal shit because that would be stealing and stealing's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Elliot doesn't steal, like, Elliot gets paid to do things. Like, he's, yeah. he he's doesn't steal for like himself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that what would stop Elliot from stealing it would just be the fact that Elliot wouldn't steal it. Like, that's not the only, his... Like, this one is, like, it's a rare case of he, he would have stolen it. Like, in this episode, he's there to steal it. Oh, yeah. And the yeah, only yeah. reason he's there to steal it is because it, like, he hates the terms that the crew was left on. So yeah. So he's like, I, I don't like leaving a job unfinished. Like, we, we, we're yeah. going to deal with this shit. But, like, generally speaking, no, like, Elliot's not going to just steal, like, something to sell for himself. Like, yeah. if he's stealing it something, it's because somebody's hired him to, to steal, steal it. something. Sorry, that was a lot of words. No, 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 that's all right. Moving on. I think you're finished with Parker? Mm-hmm. Let's go to Hardison. I love him. <laughs> oh, that's what you might say. He's my baby boy. I don't know. I I think he is a... He... Aldous Hodge as yeah. an actor. Uh-huh. Has incredible comic timing. Yeah. He's very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's necessary... For this kind of show. Because while Parker is funny, she doesn't mean to be. Yeah. Elliot is funny, but in like a like sarcastic kind yeah. of way. Sophie and Nate tend to be rather serious. Mm. You need someone there to bring more intentional levity. Yeah. And also like physical comedy. I feel like of the five of them, he is the most physically comical as well. Like he just is able to sort of pull that out of, yeah. of the bag of tricks. And I really appreciate that. I also think that he is a very empathetic character, and I enjoy that. I feel like whenever he has, like, one-on-one discussions with any member of the team, it's very much like, Let's play therapy with Hardison. And <laughs> like, he's the youngest. He's but the I'm youngest, sorry. but I also think that he is just so, yeah, empathetic. Like, he, he yeah. he's just able to have those, like, hard conversations in a way that makes the he's other He's the youngest, but he's almost the most emotionally mature of all of them. Yeah. Like, I yeah. think the only one who even comes slightly close is, like, Elliot. Yeah, I was going to say Elliot. Because <laughs> even Sophie's, like, her Sophie's... entire job is emotional intelligence and, like, she's, she's... not emotionally mature. Yeah, I was going like, to say, Sophie's interesting because it's like that whole thing where, like, she can only act when it's for a con. Like, she can only be emotionally mature yeah. when she's not being herself. Yeah. Because when she's being herself, she's actually quite emotionally juvenile. Yeah. Because it's like that whole thing with her and Nate keeping on risking cases because they're fucking being petty. And they can't put aside their own, like... Emotions. Yeah. Exactly. No, I really like Hardison. I think he's very fun. I am probably, of all of the character backstories, least intrigued by his, Mm. but not because I don't think it would be interesting, just purely because I think we have more information about his backstory than we have about any of the others, excluding Nate. Like, because we know, you know, about him being in Foster, we Mm. know about um, him being raised by, well, he calls her his grandmother, but she wasn't, you know, biologically. She was for all other intents and purposes, but... You know, and we know these things because he's been more emotionally available and because yeah. this stuff has come out in discussions with other people. And so I'm, I really enjoy him. I'm always happy when he's on screen. Um, and I enjoy, particularly, I loved the, is it juror number 12 where he's playing the attorney? Or is that yes. another? Yes. That's the juror number six job. I yeah. 
Oh, why do I keep saying 12? I mean six. I adore that episode mm. for for just for him. Like, I know it's a Parker episode, yeah. but the thing that sticks with me is mm. his performance as the the defense. I There's this sort of thing so that fun. they kind of accidentally do, and they're like, oh, this is a Parker episode. And it just means by default it's also a Harrison episode. Yeah. Like, because as soon as you have Parker even slightly emotionally vulnerable, it's like, oh, Harrison's there. Yes. Yes, exactly. And also, I am not one for, like, forced romances. Yeah. I don't I, – I particularly dislike them. However, Hardison and Parker, I think, as a romantic pairing, are, I feel very sincere. Well, here's the thing. They weren't meant to be a romantic That's pairing. That's always the best one when it wasn't yeah. supposed to happen, but it just – the chemistry worked and it yeah. just made sense. Yeah, that's 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 always the best. I find sometimes when shows or movies or whatever you go in and like the point is that the two characters get together or like, um, you know, it's decided before the script is even written that these two characters are going to be together. Sometimes yeah. it can just feel a bit eh, but when it happens because it's like oh it just kind of makes sense and yeah. actually that's just we're just going to add that in now because we like it. I think is almost always the strongest. It's the Parker Hardison versus Sophie Nate. Yes. Sophie and Nate yes. were originally written in and designed to be the, the a pair. couple. Yeah. Yeah. I and hate them. They sort of, you, you can really see during this season, they sort of realise like, oh, actually, it's they both working. have too much baggage from their past. Yeah. For this to be even a slightly healthy dynamic. Like this is, yeah. they're both chasing their own version of the other person in their head. Yeah. They, they don't see each other for who they actually are. Yeah. So it's never going to work. There's, like, they're not going to get together because mm-hmm. they're, they're so fixated with their past. Yeah. And the ghost of the pe- people they used to be. Yeah. This is – um. Okay, I wish you'd seen Our Flag Means Death. You really need to watch it because there's an, an incredible kind of example of that, of, of being in love with the idea of someone but not with who they actually are um, in that show. It's it's very interesting. And I, I, I won't go into it because like, you haven't watched it and I want you to see it and I don't want to spoil it. But it is very interesting as like a dynamic. Like I I do like the, the narrative purpose of someone thinking they're in love with someone, but really they're in love with the idea of them. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I think that is exactly what Sophie and Nate are to each other. It is interesting that they were supposed to be the couple that, Everyone yeah. wanted to get together and I, I don't But know. as as they sort of wrote the show, they realised, like, oh, actually, no. Like, this does not work. And I think that's actually a sign of good writing as yeah. well for them to be like, mm, this was our, like, idea, but actually, like, seeing it on the paper, seeing it on screen, it doesn't work. And yeah. changing your mind, like, being willing to be like, oh, I was wrong. I'm going to actually adapt this to be more, you know. Yeah. They, they were like, well, we actually have to have a story that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, we, we can't force this pairing that does not make any actual sense to get together. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Parker and Hardison, their chemistry, like, the actors, insanely mm. good. Mm-hmm. Like, you can definitely see it was one of those things where it's like, they just put two actors in a room together and realised, yeah. oh, actually, these characters, like, they make a lot of sense together. And I love them. I love them so much. Anyway, moving on, because we've talked about characters for way too long. <laughs> what are your predictions for season two of Leverage? Oh, God. Um, I, I don't really know. I mean, obviously, they're going to come back together for some reason. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe they're just going to come back together because they do, or if maybe it's going to be a bit of a case like the last episode of season one where they're just going to, like, all coincidentally be, like, trying to run a job yeah. on, like, a similar thing. 
I wonder if maybe something will happen for someone personally and then they're going to be like, guys, I want to run a con on this person who fucks yeah. like my family member or something over. Something like that. Like, obviously mm. there's going to be an instigator as to why they get back together. Whether that's just like, oh, we're all in town, let's catch up for drinks or whatever. And they're like, oh, huh, wouldn't it be funny if, you know... Or if it's, like, one of them is, like, hey, I want to run this con, would you be in kind of thing. I don't know. It, it really could go a million different ways. And other than that, I don't really know because, like we've said a million times, but, like, because each individual episode is so self-contained and yeah. because there's no real overarching plot. Like, for, for other shows, like, there tends to be something that happens at the end of the season that then sort of sets up the next season of show. It kind of gives yeah. you an idea of where it's going, unless it's the series ending, obviously. But with this, it's like, well, they didn't really set anything up. It's just they're all split up. We know they'll come back together again. It's just a matter of kind of like If how. they don't, there's no show. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing that, like, Supernatural does when it's like, oh, are they going to die? It's like, well, if they die, they fucking come back to life because, like, yeah. there's 15 more seasons of the show to go. Exactly. But, like, yeah, so I don't know. I think it's kind of hard to predict where it could go because there's no real, like, clear direction like it could it could go literally a million different ways because they haven't really set up anything that's going to dictate it more than the five of them will all be there yeah you know and like i assume sterling will probably still be current somewhere in there yeah maybe they will have you've mentioned to me before that like in later seasons they have like more of a concern about like the authorities so maybe that will be a thing yeah but again that doesn't feel like something that's going to be an entire season like long arc yeah well it could be a season arc overall but it i surely it won't be the main focus of the entire series so or so entire season yeah so i assume obviously that sophie will kind of have to win back everyone's sort of trust Maybe Parker and Hardison will finally fucking talk about the fact that they kissed and they were both kind of into it. Um, or at least Hardison definitely was. And I don't... No, no, no. They haven't really expressed whether or not Parker was that phased. I assume she enjoyed it. She seemed to. But maybe we'll get some more about Maggie. I would love that. But again, like, I assume she's not going to be a, like, regularly... She's a recurring character, not a, like... She's not going to be, like, a series regular. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. It's yeah, it's really hard with with this just because of the structure of the show. It's very difficult to predict. Yeah, what's going to be coming next? I can see that. Um, what were your favorite and least favorite episodes of the season? Oh, that's a good question. Let me go back to my notes and just look at the titles. I liked whatever one eleven was with the guy who um, they thought he was the bad guy, but actually he was trying to do something good. He had the burrito. Oh, the twelve step job with the red. I liked Senna. Yep, I liked the twelve. Yep, I liked the twelve step job. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite liked. I liked the season finale for the most part. Yep. I don't know. It's interesting. None of them are really standing out to me. I can think of scenes that I enjoyed. Yeah. Like, tr- like tr- genuinely, right now, trying to think back on the season, I can think of scenes that I liked. Mm. I'm struggling to think of a particular episode that I would be like super keen to go back to. I know that there were ones that I enjoyed watching more than others, but I think that overall the actual quality of the season was pretty like level across the board. So I don't know if I have any favorites, but I also don't think I have a least favorite. Mm. Like other than maybe the pilot. Yeah. But again, like I will credit that it was the pilot. Yeah. So I'm, you know, as a disclaimer, I understand that obviously it's probably going to be the weakest episode of the season. It's yeah. rare that a pilot is the strongest episode. And if, a pilot is the strongest episode of a season that probably doesn't bode well for the rest of the show. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I, I don't know if I have an outstanding favourite or least favourite other than the pilot, personally. There were some, like, I I disliked probably the wedding oh, job. The job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Purely, purely because of the weird Nate-Sophie tension. That episode is stellar if you ignore all the bits that Sophie and Nate are in. Yeah. But like, <laughs> like if you just watch it for like Hardison Parker and Elliot. Yeah, because like I love Chef Elliot, you know, I love Bridesmaid Parker, I love It's also got the iconic shot of like Elliot fighting the butcher and it's like flames. I love the the <laughs> mushrooms, his stuffed mushrooms, you know, I love you know, or like the snow job as well. Like there's... And like Maria and Adam. Yeah. They're, they're iconic. You know, like there are certainly or like the Jury number six job. I enjoyed yeah. the Jury number six job. A lot, but it's also not like, you know, like I, I liked the episodes. I'm not dying to go back to any of them. Yeah, you know, it's. I don't think any of them are episodes. And to be fair, this is a personal opinion, and it's also not the kind of show I would normally watch. But these are not the kind of episodes that I would be like, oh, I want to go back and rewatch that like eight times to pick all the nuances. Yeah, I could if I wanted to because there's a lot in them. Yeah, um, and they are good episodes of television just generally. But personally, they don't appeal to me enough. I'm really frustrated because I know there was one that I did really, really like. And the I Stork still... Job or the Mile High Job? Those are the two that I... These are the two that I'm really surprised you haven't mentioned because as far as I know, really... they were the two that you enjoyed the most based on I'm your really rankings. struggling to remember the names of any of them. So the Mile High Job's the one with the plane and Air Hostess Parker. Yeah. Um, okay. Big Phantom Traveler vibes. Yeah. In that one. And then the Stork Job was the one with the Serbian adoption agency yeah. where Parker stabs the dude with the fork. Yes, and see, I did really enjoy both of those episodes, but also, like, and I know that I enjoyed them. I yeah. know that I did, but for my life, I can't remember anything in mm. them, like, that I'm like, oh, this standout moment, except the fork stabbing, but even then I mentioned that earlier and I couldn't remember what episode that was yeah. from. So it's, it's yeah, it's hard because, like, it feels very consistent yeah. across the board. And so I don't feel like there was any, like, and yes, those episodes I did really enjoy, probably above the others, but in saying that, I didn't remember that I liked them more yeah. <laughs> than the others. Um, so It's kind of yeah. like me with season two of Supernatural where it's like, well, there's none that I hated, but there was also none that I loved. So it's like, yeah. eh, it's a bit of a wash. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, I think that's actually pretty – you pretty well mentioned like every single episode of the season. I think the only one that you hadn't mentioned at all there is the two-horse job. I was just going to say the one with the horses. And the only reason I think that you would even be like, I like that episode is because of Sterling. <laughs> Yeah. Because even that's an episode that, like, as much as I love Sterling, and I love Sterling in that episode, like, I think it's a bit of a meh episode overall. Yeah, I'm just trying to think back on it now. I I remember not, not liking it, and I guess that just yeah. goes for all of them. I liked getting a little bit of background on Elliot, yeah. but I remember when we were discussing that one, and, like, I remember just being so confused, like, because I couldn't figure out, like, who the fuck she was supposed to be, and you had to, like, explain to me, and yeah. then talk about, like him having, like, gone to the military, and I was like, well, I didn't fucking know that. Like, I'm pretty sure they did not bring that up at all. Yeah. You know, so I think that that one was, again, it was fine. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh, What are your hopes for next season? What what would you like to see? Not necessarily what you want them to – not necessarily what you think they're going to do, but what would you like to see? I hope that they give me a reason to like Nate. Okay, yeah. Really, truly, because he's the – he is the one part of this show that really prevents me from fully enjoying it. Now that he's had his, like, revenge moment with Black Paul, I just sort of hope that he kind of has room to grow. Mm. Like, I hope that he's like, okay, I've had my revenge now. I hope that he can sort of 
start to let that go a bit. Like, you know, just move on from that really like nearsighted tunnel vision mm-hmm. and just kind of like it would be great if he could address his drinking. Yeah. It'd be great if he could stop being a dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would really love him to stop wearing those hats. Yeah. Um, I think that would make me like him a lot more. Mm. Um, and quite honestly, like, I would like to see Parker and Hardison address whatever's going on between them. I would like, I think I would like to see Sophie realize that she and Nate are not good for each other. I think that because Nate is clearly still kind of hung up on Maggie and is so sort of lost in his past, I think it has to be Sophie who comes to that realization for herself that that it's not going to happen and yeah. it probably shouldn't happen. And so I would like to see that for her because I think that if she can let go of that idea of her and Nate, it will allow her to, you know, we were saying she's not as emotionally mature. Yeah. I think if she can just let that go, that it will open her up for the opportunity to mature more in like an emotional sense. If, Cause it's quite a juvenile sort of idea of this, you know, forbidden romance kind of thing. And I think if she can just move on from that a bit, it would be quite good for her. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I'm most intrigued by Elliot's backstory. So I would like to learn a bit more about what is going on with him or like, I guess, where he's come from. Like, how has he ended up where he is now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That was a lot of things that you want in the next season. Well, you know, I not I don't necessarily need all of them, but like one or two would be nice. And on the flip side, what is the worst case scenario for this next season though? Worst case is Nate stays exactly how he is. Or somehow gets worse. And what they he get him and Sophie get together? Yeah. If okay. Sophie it's like when you were telling me that there was a scene you were excited for me to see, because you know, you wanted my reaction. I was so worried that Nate and Sophie were going to kiss. I, anyway. <laughs> you thought I was going to, like, straight up was, torture you Well, you know, because I was sending you all caps messages saying, Jamie, I'll fucking lose it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you're like, oh, you'll just have to watch and see. And I was like, I'm so mad. In um, reality, the scene I wanted you to see was, like, Maggie reading Nate for filth. Yeah, and which is iconic. Not... Like, them trying to pull, like, the... Like, what uh, what I think a worse show would have done, which is, like, shoehorned in the Sophie-Nate romance yeah. that they had been trying to pull mm-hmm. for the entire time. Like, I... Okay, what I would hate to see... Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I would hate to see Sophie-Nate get together. Mm-hmm. I would hate for Nate to somehow get worse or yeah. even just stay stagnant. I, th- I really think that if they don't take the opportunity to develop him as a character now that they've sort of... Con- concluded that narrative arc of the IYS situation. Yeah. I think it's just a massive wasted opportunity and it will really annoy me. Um, the only other thing I would really hate to see is probably a... I don't, it's not something I would hate, but I would... Dis- something that could be done really poorly and would be... Yeah, yeah, something that would probably frustrate me is if it continues to be a series of unrelated episodes. Because mm. one of the things that has annoyed me is that even forgetting about, like, an overarching plot for a minute, just, like, the fact that, like, that episode where Hardison sleeps in and he misses mm. um, the start of the con or whatever, and they don't ever resolve that. Mm. Like, they they start the episode pissed off with him, they end the episode pissed off with him and it's never, ever brought up again. Yeah. And, like, that kind of sort of 
dropping of points annoys me because I'm like, well, that was an opportunity for character growth. That was an opportunity for you to, for Hardison to be like, oh shit, like I've got to pull my head in because other people are at risk here. And like, you know, you said he's, he's the youngest of the team and he's like the least experienced by default, you know, but he needs to like step up and like mature a bit and have that responsibility, but they never really address it. Yeah. They never show them being like, like coming to terms with it. And they do do that by the end of the season. Yeah. With Sophie a bit more. So I'm, I would like to see more of that. And I think I would be frustrated if there is still no real link between episodes by the time we're getting into season two, because I can understand season one feeling disjointed because it's the first season and they're setting everything up and they don't really know the characters. And, and especially yet. for a show that's like, it's never going to be overarching plot heavy. Like it's not yeah. going to be like a supernatural where they've set up like this shit. This is the big bad. And we're going like to move do... towards it for the whole series season. Yeah. yeah. It's not like five seasons worth of shit. They've plotted out and have an idea of what they're doing. Like sure. it's not, but, but I yeah. just would like it to be a bit more cohesive. It will frustrate me, I think, or continue to frustrate me if it feels like I'm just watching completely. At the moment, you know, if you're building like a Lego wall mm-hmm. and you've got all the like the bottom row of bricks, say you don't have like a connecting base, yeah. it's just the bottom row of bricks. That's how the episodes feel to me. There is nothing to connect them. Yeah. They're just kind of next to each other. And if you just stack the bricks directly on top instead of overlapping them, nothing will ever hold that wall together. It will just be tall columns of separate things. That's how the episodes feel. I want there to be not huge, massive, overarching connections, but just enough that they are connected. Yeah. So that it becomes cohesive. That's that's all I really want. Yeah. Okay. And I think that was all the questions I had for you today. Is there anything else you'd like to add, considering we're already at an hour for a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> intermission episode. Intermission episode. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, I think that's it. Uh, I'm sorry. I was probably very repetitive in a lot of that, but I think that pretty much covers it. It's, okay. it's nice to have it all consolidated in like one place. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for <laughs> listening to Beth's thoughts on season one. She <laughs> tore my heart out a little bit there. I'm sorry. I'm excited to see what she thinks of the rest of the seasons, though, based on what she's said today. Uh Fun little fun little thing for her to hear me say that and have no <laughs> idea if that means I am excited because it did all of the things she wants or none of the things she wants at all and it's going to be a nightmare for her. I am excited. 50-50. 50-50. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back either this week, next week. I don't know when we're posting this. Sometime probably. <laughs> we'll be back soon. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll be back soon with the first episode of Season 2, The Bean Town Bailout Job. I'm looking forward to the Baked Bean Factory. The Baked Bean <laughs>